Psalms chapter 51, if we have our Bibles, if we could turn there, we've been uh, going through a series uh, entitled A Heart After Gods, and we've been looking at David and, and David's character and uh, in different aspects, and tonight we're going to continue that, and what we're going to talk about tonight is having a heart of repentance, a heart of repentance. So we're going to read the scripture here, Psalms chapter 51, starting in verse 10, and uh, then we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us tonight uh, so that he could teach us and uh, that we could, we could be helped by, by the Holy Spirit tonight. Praise God. So let's read that. Psalms 51, verse 10. Here David writes, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Praise God. If you could bow your head and agree with me tonight. Father, we're so grateful. We thank you, Lord, our Heavenly Father, for all that you've done in our lives, God. We thank you for your never-ending mercy, God, and love in our lives. We thank you for your compassion and grace, Lord. And I pray that you would help us tonight, O oh God, as we dive into this topic, God, as we talk about repentance, Lord, that you would teach us what it is to repent, to have a right heart in your sight, Father. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and let us walk out of here changed tonight, God, from each and every one of us, God. We all have something that we could change and. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in that, Father, and we're so grateful for all that you're doing, and we depend on you, our Heavenly Father. We thank you. We ask in Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. David says, create in me a clean heart, and here he is talking, and we're, we're going to learn here in a little while that he had tripped up. He had made a, a, a treacherous mistake in his life, and he was running to God. He was asking God, and he penned this, this portion of Scripture here, and he's asking God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And we're going to talk about repentance and having the right heart of repentance and what that means. You know, it takes me back to a story, uh, not a, it's a true story, uh, back when I was in, in grade school, I did some growing up in Big Bear, California, in the local mountains there in San Bernardino County. And uh, I remember I was in class one day. And one of my friends, who I thought was my friends, he began to write, he, he, he marked up my shirt with a pen, of all things, right? He marks up my shirt, and, and when I realized what he, what he did, I, I turned around at him, and I gave him a piece of my mind, and I, I, after he knew, you know, how I took that and what I really thought about it, I went on, and I just kind of, I kind of gave him the shine, and, and I, just, I just turned around. And a few moments later, he taps me on the shoulder, he says, hey, Matt. And I turned around, and on his white T-shirt, in pen, he wrote, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> and I realized at that moment that he was sorry, that he was really sorry. Why? Not because he just said it in words, but because he was going to have to walk around for the rest of the day there in school with this written on his shirt, I'm sorry, Matt. And see, sometimes we can, we can say sorry with our words, right? We, we become professional at saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But do we really mean it? And it's this way with the Lord. I mean, it's, it's this way with all of our relationships. But we have to start and look at, at the Lord because there are things that we can get involved in, we can do, and our very sin and our trespasses, they offend the Lord. And sometimes 
we could get into the habit and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, and we go back and we do it again. I'm sorry, Lord, and we go back and we do it again. And there's no change. But that's not God's desire. That's not, that's not God's uh, design of repentance. And if we're going to talk about repentance, we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness, it all starts with how our Heavenly Father feels about us. We're going to get into some issues tonight, and we're going to look at what God's Word says about repentance and how you and I have to repent. But what I want to first look at before we do that is the character of our loving Father, God. He's our Heavenly Father. He loves you so much with an everlasting love. We have to realize that. He's a forgiving God. He's a God of truth, of righteousness, of purity. He doesn't want us involved in, in, in sinful acts and sinful things, things that will destroy our lives. It breaks his heart. He's not just angry at us when, when we do these things or, or, or we trespass or we sin, we commit sins. It actually it breaks his heart. It tears him apart. Why? Because he sent his son Jesus, his very only son, to die for you and I so that we wouldn't have to live this life bound up in the web of sin and addiction and all these things that destroy our lives. That's what they do. That's what sin does. It destroys our life. See, in the beginning, it feels good because it's, it's selfish. It makes us feel good. If we, if we wouldn't sin if it didn't feel good, and it makes us feel good. But what the enemy doesn't show us is that the end result of this sin and the life of sin is it brings forth death. God doesn't want us going in that direction. He's our Heavenly Father, our loving God, and He is a forgiving God. Now, as we look here in our text in Psalm 51, it gives us an idea of the peace that we can have as we approach God's throne, as we run towards Him. Key words in our text, such as having a clean heart, being renewed, the joy of your salvation, God's generous spirit, him talking about conversion, all these things are, are, are screaming here in this scripture. God desires that we would walk in blessings. And you know, so many times we, we can believe the, the lies of the enemy and we could start to look at the, the word of God. The actual word of God is a bunch, some, some would call it a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and don'ts and things that you shouldn't do. But what it is, is a map for you and I to be blessed in this life and for you and I to inherit eternity. Isn't that right? That's God's design. That's God's will for us. We might see it as rules and, oh, God's trying to just steal the joy out of my life and he doesn't want me doing anything. No, God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have the abundant life. He wants you to be blessed and blessed above measure. But you and I are not going to get that blessing if we're living a life of sin, if we're indulging in sin, if we're, if we're chasing after sin. He's our Father, our loving Father, our forgiving Father. What is forgiveness? One definition is to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake. See, it breaks God's heart. He died for you. That thing that you're, you're bound up in and that thing that you feel that you just can't get rid of and, and you find yourself running back to it and going back to it, that's the very reason why Jesus died for you, because God wants to bring change in your life. God can deliver you from that thing. You don't have to live in that sin any longer. There is hope for you. There is change for you, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? 
You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live with, with anything hanging over your head. God has called us to be free. God is a God of forgiveness. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, there's a scripture here, and it gives us a look at, at the, the beautiful character of God. The Bible says here that they, they refused to listen, and they did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Here talking about the people of God, the nation of Israel. But look at this. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and you did not abandon them. You did not abandon them. Isn't that the truth about our loving God, our Heavenly Father, that He didn't abandon you and I, right? He saved us when everyone else forsook us, when no one else had hope in us, when no one else believed in us, God believed in us. His plan is perfect. And look at you tonight. Here you are in the house of God, in your right mind. I know we're not perfect. I know God's not done with us, but you've come a long way. And why? It's because it's all for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. Thank you, Jesus. You are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. God loves you. Jesus loves you. The devil would, would desire to have you convinced that when you fall on your face or you trip up or you mess up that you need to just not even come back to church. You need to run the other way, that God is through with you, that he's mad at you. But no, God desires to be in fellowship with you. The Bible says here is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Thank you, Jesus. The forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace. That is some good news for someone in this place tonight. Perhaps you're in this place and you had a tough day. Perhaps you, may, you messed up today, you tripped up, or whatever it may be. This scripture and this promise is for you that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace. You could be forgiven. You could be changed. You don't have to live that life anymore bound up in this situation or that situation or this hang-up or this addiction, we have redemption and forgiveness. So our God is a loving God. He's our Heavenly Father. He desires fellowship with you and I. And, and parents, think about that. Think about the relationship that you have with your children. That's all a parent wants. A parent wants the best for his children. You want to see them excel. You want to see them be blessed. You want to protect them. And this is why you teach them, you try to teach them the right way, right? You try to give them instruction. It's not for your own good, but it's, it's, it's for their good because you want to see them succeed. And how much greater is it with our Heavenly Father? He wants to see us blessed. He's a forgiving God. My second point tonight, I want to entitle this point Simply, you are the man. And I'll explain that in a moment. You are the man, and we have to confess it, and we have to repent. And we're going to spend a little bit of time tonight in this area and talk about repentance and talk about confession and, and, and be real, being real with our lives and where we are. Now, we're going to read a scripture out of 2 Samuel chapter 12, so you could turn there. And let me just 
for the sake of time, paraphrase the story. Here was a story. Uh, it's, it's, it's about David. And David was, was a, the king of Israel. He was a warrior, right? And we've been learning about him this month. He was a man after God's own heart. And he did great things, great exploits for God. But the Bible goes on to tell us that, that one night he was out there on the rooftop. He was taking his evening walk and he, he, he saw Bathsheba. And she, the Bible says she was bathing and he, and he saw her. And what he did is he sent his servants. He saw her bathing. He sent his servants to go and get her and bring her to him. And the Bible goes on to say that, that he laid with her. And the thing about Bathsheba, she was a married woman. She was married to a man named Uriah, and he was a warrior in David's army. So as the story goes, they get together, and she becomes pregnant with child. And she tells David this. And how many know sometimes when the sin happens, we will try to hide it, right? We, we try to do all these things to hide our sin, to cover our, our sin up. And this is what King David did. King David, he says, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to cover this up. So what he did is he gave his general's instruction to take Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and send him to the front lines of battle, to the most heated places of battle. And they ended up doing this. And what happened, Uriah was killed. So David, as he thought and he saw that he succeeded and he didn't have to worry about Bathsheba's husband anymore and he could now be her husband and he thought everything was taken care of and his sin was covered up, but he was mistaken. Now in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan comes on the scene, the prophet Nathan, and, and the Lord gives him instruction to go and talk to David. And Nathan doesn't outright come and say, David, you are in sin and now you're, you're exposed and we're going to deal with it. No, he tells him a story. It's a story about a rich man who had a whole bunch of flock. He had, he had a whole bunch of animals, and his flock was full, and he, had, he was a rich man. He had so many, but then there was a poor man. And, and the Bible says he had a, a, a ewe lamb, and he raised this little lamb up, and he was poor. He raised it up as one of his own children. He loved it. He nurtured it. It was part of his family. It wasn't just an animal, but it was part of his family. So this traveler comes around the way, and, and he, he, need, he wants to eat. So he goes to the rich man. He says, let me, let me get one of the animals from your flock. The rich man probably wouldn't have missed it at all because he had so many, but he said no. And he took the poor man's lamb, the lamb that he raised as his own, the lamb that, he, that this poor man considered his very daughter. The rich man took it, killed it, prepared it so that this traveler can eat. And David, when he heard this, he was furious. He was furious. And in 2 Samuel 12, 5 and 6, here's what he said. He says, it says, David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for, and for having no pity. So David here, he judged the situation. He says, this person must, must, must repay and in verse 7, as we jump to there to verse 7, it says, Nathan then said to David, you yourself are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. It is I who anointed you as king over Israel, and it is I who rescued you from the hand of Saul. And then as we jump to verse 13, here we see David finally realizing that he's been found out. And what does he do? 
And the question goes out to you and I, what do we do when, when our sin finds us out, when God convicts us, uh, convicts us of this thing? Do we try to cover it up? Do we make excuses? Do we give all the reasons and blame certain other people for, for the reason why we're committing this sin and we're involved in this thing? Because in that, there's no change. There's no honesty. Or do we fess up and say, God, that's me. In verse 13 here of our, t- of our text, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has allowed your sin to pass. You shall not die. How quick the word of God came to David. Yes, to, to expose him, to convict him, and to deal with his sin. But do we see the response here of David? I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't make an excuse. He didn't come up with all these reasons why he did this and did that. He didn't come up. He just said, I have sinned against the Lord. And that is what you and I, church, need to say when we sin. Is that we've sinned. Lord, I've sinned against you. It's against the Lord. We've sinned against the Lord. He died so that you and I don't have to be bound in sin. So that you, don't have, you and I don't have to be enslaved to sin. But sometimes we try to cover our sin up with so many excuses and reasons why we're still in the same place. And in that, we have not repented. We may say sorry, but there's no change. See, true repentance will bring change in one's life. And as quick as David in this verse here in verse 13, as quick as he confessed and said, Lord, I have sinned against the Lord. Right away, Nathan said to David, the Lord has also allowed your sin to pass. You shall not die. Do we see what the favor of the Lord here? The grace of God. See, so, sometimes we let so many years pass and we don't come to God. We don't deal with that situation because we think that, that God is just going to beat us over the head with a bat and God is so disgusted and fed up with us, but God is just waiting. He wants to forgive you, but he's just waiting to hear you and I confess that sin so that we won't have to do it anymore. In 1 John 1, 9 and 10, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So here's David. We're looking at David's life tonight. As we look at our original text in Psalms 51, verse 10 through 13, he said, create in me a clean heart. This was the the spirit of his heart. This was the attitude of David's heart. And this is the attitude that you and I should have. When it comes to being forgiven and repenting, that Lord created me a clean heart. He is the creator of all things. And you may think because of what you've gone through in your life, because of situations and, and, and perhaps tragic circumstances, that you may think that perhaps your life and your spirit is warped a bit. And, and you may have accepted the lie that you are this way and that you will always remain this way. But our God is a creator. He created the heavens and the earth, and he can create in you a clean heart and a new heart. Can you say amen? He could give you a new heart and a clean heart, and here is what David was was pleading to God for. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. God will renew your spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence. That is the true consequence of sin right there. 
We may be worried about situations catching up to us and circumstances, but if we really look at it, this is a real tragedy in that is that when we sin and we live a life of sin, that we're living in separation from God. And that is the worst place to be. You know, I think about the bigger picture. I think about heaven and the beauty that we're going to be able to experience. Eternity, living with God in, in perfect and holy righteousness and relationship. But the Bible teaches us also about a place called hell, and hell is a real place. And the Bible describes it as, as a place of, being, of there being weeping and gnashing of teeth, torment. The Bible says where the worm never dies. But you know what also is also so tragic about the very place of hell is that God is not going to be there. There's utter separation from God, and that is the worst place that we could find ourselves in. That is worse than pain. That is worse than circumstances getting hard in your life. You, you do not want to be in a place of separation from God, and that is what sin, unrepented sin, does in, in our lives. It brings that separation, and that is the worst place. That is hell. See, David's prayer was not selfish. It wasn't God. Just don't let me get in trouble. You know what we call that? You call that a jailhouse prayer, right? And, and, and jailhouse prayer can relate to, to jail, but we've all said the jailhouse prayer. God, if you get me out of this situation, if I don't get bound up in this situation, Lord, I will serve you for the rest of my days. Haven't we said that? We've all said that. But that was what was not David's prayer. David's prayer was, God, just don't take your spirit from me. I value the relationship I had. God created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. He had total and complete dependence on God. And that is what God, God desires. That is the type of prayer that we should pray. As I said, it's not that no one would find us out. Would God, you would just cover this up so that I wouldn't look bad in people's eyes. See, there's a difference here in David's prayer and the, the prayer of King Saul. When, when Saul, he did, he did a lot of things that, that offended God, but there's a, a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 30. We see, we see a selfish confession here in King Saul. It says, this is when Saul was, was rebuked by the prophet, and then he, it says here in verse 30, Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, he said, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. See, David wasn't saying any of that. David was saying, I have sinned. God, forgive me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. But, but Saul was, was concerned about how we looked in, the, in the, the image of people. God's not concerned with that. God is concerned that we would be concerned how we look in, in God's eyes, how he sees us. And this is what David was concerned with. This is why it was a righteous prayer in Psalm 51. God, don't cast me away from your loving presence. So what's the answer in all of this? The answer is that you and I would repent. Whatever you're going through in this place, whatever hang-up you may call it, or we give it so many names, but basically it's sin. Whatever sin you find yourself dealing with and have maybe committed today, the answer is that you would repent. 
that you would turn away from that sin and that you would confess it to the Lord and that you would tell him that you're sorry and that you would turn away with the desire and with the intent to never do it again. See, that makes all the difference. Sometimes we say sorry and we make an altar call, but, but we have the, the, uh, the desire and intent to do it again. We know that it's going to happen again. It's not repentance. The Bible teach, teaches us and talks about John the Baptist, who was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And his ministry was to make straight the path for the Lord. He was a forerunner of Christ. And he preached many things, but his main message was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here was an instance in Matthew chapter 3 where the religious people of this day, they came to him and they were, they were watching what he was doing. And they had the outward appearance of godliness, but the Bible tells us that within their heart they were full of dead man's bones. They were unrighteous, but they, they were just concerned about how they looked on the outside, such as many of us can be. But in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, when John the Baptist saw these folks, he said this in verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Listen to this. Therefore bear, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. They say that the proof is in the pudding. That your repentance should have some fruit. That, that you should be able to, first and foremost, to be able to see some change taking place in your life. If it's real repentance. What does this mean? It means that, that you're going to make an effort to change some situations that have been causing you to get hung up all the time. Let's get real. We're having church tonight. Let's talk about it. Let's talk, because we have to be practical. God wants to help us change. But sometimes we don't, want to let the, we don't want to make changes in our lives. We don't want to make the hard decisions, but we have to make those hard decisions if we desire change. And Christian, this applies to us too. We can't just think about repentance and, oh, it, it applies to this person or that person. They're unsaved. Yes, it applies to them. No, it's you and I. We all have to repent each and every day. Can you say amen? Man, don't we ever... Repentance has as much to do in the life of the believer as the, as the life of the unbeliever. So God's wisdom, we have to look at God's wisdom and repentance. And one man said this, There are certain precautions that need to be taken when one has realized that they have a problem in a certain area of their lives. Okay, so let's talk about some practical things. Here's an example. If you're an alcoholic, don't go to a bar to buy a Coke. There's a practical step. If you have a problem with women, uh, do not speak to them in a provocative or a suggest suggestive way. If you have a problem with gambling, Las Vegas is not the place for your vacation. And the list can go on and on and on. And what we're talking about is safeguarding yourself. If there's a relationship that you find yourself in and it, ca it keeps causing you to fall and to fail in the sight of the Lord... I'll tell you what, you have to cut that relationship off. All right, okay, that's, that's okay. We got a few folks, we're going to agree with it. It's all right. You got to do it. If there's a place that, that every time you go there, you, you, you fall and you fail, don't go there anymore. I mean, God's, God's a practical God. I mean, he gives us wisdom by his Holy Spirit, but these are things that we have to instill in our lives 
Don't go past that street or that neighborhood or don't go here or there or don't go to that channel or that channel or, or put safeguards in your life so that you don't fall and that repentance can be true in your life. So here's a question when it comes to repentance. Are you sorry for your sin? The Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You know, I, I remember years back, and it, it's ever seared into my heart and my mind. There was a, as I, the early years of my salvation, I was serving God. I was doing what I could to be faithful. And there was, a, there was another young man who was serving God, and, and uh, we were in ministry together, and he was doing good. But he took a couple weeks off from church, and we're talking about being practical. He took a couple weeks off from church to go visit family, okay? And, and he went back to his old city, his old area and we could call that Egypt right the place that you and I came from and we all have in Egypt in this place and I remember he was gone for a couple weeks and he came back and he and, and he was in ministry before and he was different something had changed in him and it wasn't good and I remember one day after the the the, the service ended he was outside of the the church and he had gone to church but he was outside and he was just he was leaning on the wall and he was bawling he was crying, and I, and I asked him, like, what's going on? Are you okay, you know? And he said, man, I, I backslid. I, I went back to, to my old sin. And as tragic as, as this was, you know what I saw? That his heart was broken. And I always remember the look of what it is to be sorry for, for his sin. And I remember that day he was sorry for his sin. He was sorry for what he did, and he actually he had tears. And he was like, man, I backslid. And I've only seen that a certain amount of times. And I, I think sometimes, are we sorry for our sin? When we come to the altar, and I, I know you're sorry for it. I know you try to repent of it. But, but there, this was something that I always remember because he was truly sorry for his sin. And this is such an example to you and I. When we trespass, we under, have to understand the severity, the severity of it, that we're trespassing against the Lord. He loves us. It breaks his heart every time we sin, and we, when we willingly continue to sin, are you sorry for your sin? And that's a question I have to ask you tonight. Secondly, have you corrected the area in your life so that you will not have to sin anymore? Again, we're talking about wisdom. We're talking about practical things in our lives. What's that area that you keep tripping up on? Make some changes. Change the situation. To repent means to turn away from your sin. And forgiveness is tied to this. It's tied to you and I truthfully turning away from our sin. There's a story here, a beautiful story of the Lord in John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. We, un we, we heard about the story where the adulterous woman, she was caught in the very act of adultery, and the, the religious people of this age, they brought her before Jesus, and they said, hey, she was caught in adultery. What are you going to do? Basically, they were saying. And he said, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And we know the story. They began to drop their stones, and they begin to flee, and they, they went away, and she was left alone, just her and Jesus. And Jesus said, so graciously, so beautifully, woman, where are your accusers? She says, they're gone. There are none. He said, neither do I accuse you or condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is a character in the attitude of God. 
He doesn't desire to stone you. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to see you on judgment day being cast away from him because of your sin. That, that breaks his heart. Heaven is created for you so that you can live in eternity with him, but hell is a real place. And God has given you time to make it right. And just as Jesus told this woman, go and sin no more, that is the Lord's instruction to you and I. Go and sin no more. Make that change. Change your life so that I can come into your heart, so that, I could, I could, so that you could experience all the blessings that I have for you. God will bring that change in your life if you just open up your heart. So what has the Holy Spirit been convicting you on today, this month, this year? It's time for a change. And the good news, church, is that victory is yours. Victory is yours. And here I talked to just a moment ago about some of the experiences that we may have grown up with in circumstances and situations that we may, we may view ourselves sometimes as warped and, and destroyed and that we'll never be the same. But the Bible tells us, gives us so many promises that we can live a life of victory. You can live a life of victory. You don't have to be bound anymore by that situation, by that sin, by that circumstance. It can be broken tonight. It's God's desire that it would be broken tonight. There's change here for you here at the altar. You're going to have a chance to make an altar call tonight. There's change for you, for you and I. Victory is yours. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can walk in victory. You can walk in hope. You can walk in promise. You can get up in the morning and look forward to your day because of all the great things God is going to do in your life. You don't have to have a cloud hanging over your head because of what you did 10 years ago. You know, God willingly decides to forget about your sin. He is all-powerful. He could remember anything that he wants but the Bible tells us that he casts our sin into the deepest, sea of, uh, to the deepest sea of forgetfulness so that it would never be remembered again. That's God's love for you and I. The Bible tells us if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. If the devil tries to sit on your, your, your shoulder and try to remind you of what you did 5, 10, 20 years ago, tell him that you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, you've been forgiven by your loving Father, that you don't have to, to deal with that anymore. God is greater than your heart. Believe the word of God. Believe all the promises that he has for you. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Don't make any room for, for sin. There's a hang-up. If there's a sin that you're dealing with, don't make any room for it. Don't put yourself in compromising situations. Get serious about it, whatever it means. And you know what it means for you. If we're real with ourselves, we know what it means. Don't put yourself in that situation anymore. God's hope is there for you, but we have to make some changes. Determine daily to walk with the Lord each and every day. Decide that I'm going to walk with you today, Lord. God, your grace is there for me, but I'm going to walk with you, God. I'm not going to pursue sin, but I'm going to pursue righteousness. Make a daily decision to walk with the, with the Lord. Don't walk in the flesh, but in the fellowship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It makes all the difference. Philippians 4.13, I got two more verses for you tonight. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, you can go a week without committing that sin. It's possible for you in Jesus Christ. And not only a week, you can go a month. You can go a year. You can go 10 years, 20 years. You can go the rest of your life with ever, without ever having to, to, to get into that sin anymore. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's hope for us, church. 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you're here and you're in Christ Jesus, you have him in your heart, you're born of God and you can overcome the world. There's nothing that has, that has the ability to master you if, if, if you don't want it to. If we stay in Christ, we don't have to be bound up by anything. We can just live a life led by the Holy Spirit, the adventure, the, the beautiful life of being led by the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be driven by our impulses, our desires, our lusts, our sins anymore, these things that want to destroy our lives. So I have the worship team please make their way up tonight. Our God is our Heavenly Father, our loving Father who loves us, who desires relationship and fellowship with you and I. You know, as we look back in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, you know, the Bible says that Adam and Eve, that they had perfect fellowship with God, that they, they would spend time and they would commune with him. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid in their shame and they heard the voice of God walking in the wilderness Asking, Adam, where are you? And you know what I see there? I see relationship. I see a loving father desiring fellowship with his son and his daughter. Saying, Adam, where are you? Let's spend time together. What's, what's going on? We have an appointment. Where are you, Adam? But in sin, what did he do? They ran and, they ran and hid. They tried to cover themselves up, right? But all God desired was to be in relationship with them. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you and I. We have to get real and serious with that sin that we constantly deal with. We have to confess it and we have to repent. And in that, we understand all the promises in the word of God for you and I. And we can leave this topic on a high note. It's not a downer talking about repentance. No, why? Because victory is yours. God has desired to give you life and life in abundance. The plans that God has for you, a plan of hope, a future, an expected end, plans not to harm you, but to bless you. That's God's plan for your life. He wants you to have it. So many times we settle for this sin and for that sin, and it robs us of all that, want, that God wants to give us. As I close here, we have to understand that repentance is a door. Repentance is a doorway to your blessing, to your breakthrough. Perhaps you've been praying for, for God to break you of that habit and break that situation in your life and that chain and whatever it may be. And God's heard your prayer. But repentance is the door for you to walk through to get that blessing, to get that breakthrough. For you and I to say, no more. God, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you, Lord, and no one else. I ask that you would forgive me, God, and today I make a decision that I'm going to change some things in my life, that I'm not going to make provision for the flesh anymore, that if this area or this situation or this place is constantly causing me to fall, that I'm not going to go there anymore. Or if this relationship constantly has me falling on my face and getting back into sin, that, Lord, it's time for me to cut that off. 
See, we understand the scripture in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for you so that you can be forgiven. He desires for you to have great things, for you to have heaven, for you to have eternity. And repentance is the door for you and I to gain God's best for us, to gain that relationship, that closeness. And nothing in this world, nothing is better than that. Nothing is better than walking in harmony and fellowship with God. Nothing is better. Because relationships can change and circumstances can change and hardships can come and things can get tough, things can get easy. All these things change. But when we're walking in closeness with God, we're steadfast. We enjoy the blessing. Praise God when, they're, when, when we're down and out or we're in, we're in the valley. It's okay. I'm being steadfast. God's going to provide. And then he brings us into a new season. Each and every day we can be blessed. Repentance is the door. Church, if we could all bow our heads tonight.